The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Genetic testing in medicine has been a huge force for good. But what happens when your test results come back with bizarre findings and your doctor advises you to take immediate radical steps? They said, we really need to see you in it. They came in and said, you have to have your stomach removed. I went, what? They said, yes, you need that immediately. You know, it kind of just sounded like nonsense to me. Honestly, I blew it off and I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm not paying any attention to that. Diane Dillon got the shock of her life when she found out she had a rare genetic mutation that doctors told her can cause stomach cancer, a terrible, hard-to-detect form of the disease that can quickly turn fatal. Her son Mike had it too. No one in the family had ever heard of the disease or the gene when they found out they were carriers in the fall of 2017. That's not surprising. It's extremely rare. There are only a few hundred families with the mutation who have been studied by researchers. But the doctors were telling both Mike and Diane they needed to have their stomachs removed. Urgently. Welcome to Prognosis, Bloomberg's podcast about the intersection of health and technology and the unexpected places it's taking us. I'm a healthcare reporter, but this story didn't come from the usual sources. I learned about it through my own family grapevine. Mike is married to my first cousin, Kim. My dad heard from his brother, that's my uncle, that Mike was going to have his stomach removed because of a gene he had inherited. When I heard that from my dad, I thought, that's just weird. Mike's in his 30s. He's entirely healthy. He and Kim are both fit and active. They have two adorable kids, a boy and a girl. This, to me, did not sound right. So Mike and I started emailing and researching And it turned out this was legit, but it was also at the cutting edge of medicine. And that's a really scary place to be. I went to visit them in South Florida in March. I was coming from Minnesota, where there was two feet of snow on the ground. Suddenly, it was 70 degrees and sunny. I was meeting Mike's mom, Diane, for the first time. Hey! Good. It's so good to see you, too. You brought down this cold weather. This cold weather? Hi! I'm Michelle. Nice to meet you. It is beautiful here. What are you talking about, the cold weather? (laughs) Yeah, this is our life. We love to get this, believe me. This is is the last hurrah. It didn't take long for the seriousness of the genetic findings to hit home. Diane had been tested to see if the breast cancer she survived 15 years earlier had a genetic cause. It did. But it wasn't the one that she expected. And it wasn't only linked to breast cancer. Mike had also gotten tested. He was driving when he got the news that he had it too. He talked with Kim, his wife. Then he called his parents. So that was pretty traumatic for them, for me, for everybody. I think I could bear it. It was like a bomb was dropped on our family. You know, everything that I'd read to that point was that you pretty much immediately have to have this surgery done. And I was pretty much preparing myself for that. 
It's important to understand why there's such an extreme reaction to this mutation. It's in a gene called CDH1. The gene's responsible for making a protein that helps cells stick together. If you have this mutation, cancer cells don't clump into a tumor that doctors can find. Instead, they form little independent clusters of cancer. I saw a picture that reminded me of the lingering seeds that you find in a supposedly seedless watermelon. There can be dozens of them, all in the stomach. It's called hereditary diffuse gastric cancer. So now you have microscopic cells that can shoot off into your system and start lodging in different organs in the body, your lung, your liver, the peritoneal lining, which is the lining around your abdominal cavity. And at that stage, it's what we call stage four or metastatic stomach cancer. That was Vivian Strong, a surgeon at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center and an expert in stomach cancer. When Mike learned he had the mutation in 2017, he was told the lifetime risk of developing stomach cancer can be as high as 70 or 80%. That's why surgery is often considered a no-brainer. Eliminate the risk. But those numbers may be misleading. They're based on people with a family history of stomach cancer. But the field is constantly evolving and improving. Now researchers are finding the mutation more often, and they suspect the risk of getting cancer for those without a family history may not be anywhere near 80%, but still high enough to warrant concern. That's the Dylan's conundrum. What should Mike and Diane do? Sophia Stadler, a medical oncologist and genetic counselor at Sloan Kettering, knows the uncertainty well. And so those are the numbers that we have. But those are based on families who have a history of hereditary, hereditary diffuse gastric cancer. So what about those without a family history? We just don't have enough data to know what those risks are. They may very well be lower, but how low is that risk? Is the risk so low that it does not warrant the gastrectomy? The Dillon family was completely unprepared to learn they had this mutation. No one had mentioned CDH1. It's called an incidental finding, when doctors are looking for one thing but come up with something else. Mike's mom, Diane, had a family history of breast cancer, so she got tested for a BRCA mutation. That's the gene that Angelina Jolie has, the one that led her to get a double mastectomy. But Diane's doctors didn't just look for the BRCA gene. We found out they only, they checked for other things. One being this, I guess, that came back. And did you know when they were doing the test? No, I had no idea. I thought they were just doing the BRCA. These incidental findings are happening more and more often as genetic testing gets easier and cheaper. Rather than testing patients only for the conditions they're most likely to have, their doctors are testing them for variants in a bunch of genes. And patients sometimes get unexpected results, like news that they have a CDH1 mutation. Dr. Stadler's watched the evolution of genetic testing in her practice at Sloan Kettering. And multi-gene panel testing is cost-efficient. It's efficient for the patient because you do everything all at once. It's easy for the physician because you check the box, it's a big panel, you get everything you need, right? A lot of the commercial laboratories have incorporated CDH1 into their generic breast cancer gene panel, even though many of those breast cancer patients don't actually meet criteria for genetic testing for CDH1. 
That's how you find a risk for stomach cancer when you are worried about breast cancer. The Dillon family, they don't match a single one of the six criteria that doctors use to consider a genetic test for a CDH1 mutation. You know, there is cancer in my family, breast cancer. And you ever heard of stomach cancer in your family? Never. No, never. For some people, finding the mutation isn't a shock. It's a relief. It's an explanation for what's been devastating their families for decades. While getting your stomach removed seems drastic, it is feasible. And it's a way for these families to ward off an early death, a tragedy some have seen all too often. That's how it was for another CDH1 patient I talked to. Her name is Hannah Davis. I met her through an advocacy group called No Stomach for Cancer. Unlike my cousin's family, Hannah's family does have a history of stomach cancer. It just took them a while to figure out the genetic connection. Hannah's great-grandmother died decades ago of abdominal cancer. All five of her daughters developed breast cancer, and only one, Hannah's grandmother, survived. When Hannah's father started having stomach pain and quickly lost weight, no one put it together. Months later, he and a cousin were both battling stomach cancer, and they realized maybe this wasn't a coincidence. So they kind of got to talking, and they were like, well, this is kind of weird. What are the odds that we both have stomach cancer right now? So that kind of opened the door to all of this testing. It was a CDH1 mutation with high penetrance. That means there were a lot of affected family members. My dad's brother and sister both have it. Several of my dad's cousins tested positive, and um, then myself and one of my two brothers tested positive as well. Hannah's dad was in his 50s when he was diagnosed with cancer. There wasn't much doctors could do to help him, but there was one thing that he wanted for his family. His dying wish really was for us kids to be tested. And he said, you know, if you test positive, you need to go through with the prophylactic total gastrectomy because that's that's really the only way to prevent stomach cancer with people with this gene. Hannah got tested just after her dad passed away. She was 20 years old when she found out that she was a carrier and she wasn't ready to let a doctor remove her stomach. So she waited and she worried. I kind of just thought of it as like this ticking time bomb and in my body and I thought about it constantly, but I just felt like it wasn't the right time. And so I pursued my undergraduate degree, went to grad school and actually um, had my surgery the week before my graduation and walked the stage of my graduation um, a week out of having a total gastrectomy, which was very crazy. The doctors examined her stomach tissue and found no signs of cancer, but she's still glad she got the surgery. I have no regrets at all. I certainly feel this sense of relief. I know it's what my dad wanted for me. I know just based off of the research, having a 80% chance of developing stomach cancer at some point in my life. And then um, not only that, but just having it be so hard to detect. And it certainly rocked my world in so many different ways, but I, I have no regrets whatsoever. 
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Those kinds of dramatic stories are what Mike found when he went online to research the condition. But they didn't really seem to apply to him and his family. They hired a company to do a complete medical history of Diane's ancestry, going back generations. There was no smoking gun, no stomach cancer, no early deaths from cancer, any kind of cancer. Then Mike's internet searches found Perry Guilford, the researcher who discovered the CDH1 gene mutation's role in gastric cancer. It was first found in an indigenous tribe in New Zealand. And I sent him an email, um, not really expecting a response. And I think I got a response within 24 hours. And, I, you know, I'd explained the whole situation, how we had no family history of it. And he was wrote back a pretty lengthy response. But he also agreed that, you know, running out and having this surgery immediately was not something that that I needed to be focused on at that point. There is another option. It's a really close monitoring approach called endoscopy. A specialist puts a tube down your throat and takes dozens of biopsy samples from the stomach a few times each year. They're looking for the earliest signs of cancer, essentially the seed in the seedless watermelon. But they do it blindly. There are no visual cues when the cancer starts to form and spread. So it's imperfect. Still, since learning she had the CDH1 mutation almost two years ago, Diane has decided to forego stomach removal and instead have endoscopies. While she's strong and lively and has no trouble shepherding a gaggle of her grandchildren at any given time, she's also tiny. People who have their stomach removed often lose one-fifth of their body weight. Diane doesn't have an ounce to lose. And at age 72, maybe she's past the cancer risk. I can't let it worry me. You know, I got to live my life. Um, if I got it, then, you know, if I would address it. But I just feel right now, you know, I've made it this long. And I think the doctors are saying, okay, you know, maybe you should, because we really don't see it in your family. For Mike, it's a bit of a different story. Most of that risk is still ahead of him. So the average age of diagnosis is 38. Mm-hmm. How old are you? 36. So does that weigh on you? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially in the beginning when I first, you know, started reading all this and seeing this. But then I also could look at my mom. She's made it this long and and has had no, you know, repercussions from the, the gene as far as the stomach goes. So the boom in genetic testing is profoundly changing the field. It used to be that the doctors tested cancer patients to see if they had a gene mutation. Now it's the other way around. Doctors are trying to predict if people with a gene mutation will get cancer. It turns out the risk isn't as high as they once expected. This is Rashid Karan, director of the Ambry Translational Genomics Lab at Ambry Genetics and an expert in CDH1 mutations. The risk for lobular breast cancer and for diffuse gastric cancer, uh, it's definitely higher than in the general population, 
but it's not as high as we thought initially in the last decade. Previously, people would say that you have an 80% risk of developing gastric cancer if you have a pathogenic mutation in CDH1. So that's a pretty high risk. That would be a terrifying thing to read, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that's what we used to say. What is the current understanding of what the risk is? So now we believe the data shows us that the risk is more around 25% for gastric cancer. And for uh, women, the, 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 the risk of lobular breast cancer is also around 25%. He was emphatic that this lower percentage is still a really big problem. For comparison, about 10% to 15% of smokers develop lung cancer. So this is even higher than that. I do want to stress this. Diffuse gastric cancer is a very deadly disease. It's very hard to diagnose uh, when it's still treatable. That's the benefit of the surgery. Their chance of developing uh, gastric cancer are, are, are virtually none. The field is also evolving in other ways. As scientists find more CDH1 mutations, they're also learning more about them. My name is uh, Udo Rutloff. Um, I'm a physician scientist and a surgical oncologist here in the Rare Tumor Initiative uh, of the National Cancer Institute. Someone like Dr. Rutloff can do a deep dive on the specific gene variant itself, the one that's inside of you, or in this case, the one that's inside of Mike and Diane. Not all changes are the same. So they're really not created equal. So, for example, when the genetic report comes out, um, uh, the mutation itself needs to undergo a really rigorous vetting process to find out, like, uh, where is it located? Uh, how does it affect the gene? Are there significant differences in how strongly they're associated with the cancer syndrome, um, both with gastric cancer and uh, the risk of developing breast cancer? So he looked at Mike and Diane's mutation. It's pathogenic, which means it can cause disease. And it's a deletion, which makes the gene itself abnormal, not functioning. But it occurs late in the gene, which is good news. That's generally associated with a lower risk of gastric cancer. But this is all really preliminary information. When you look overall um, to our CDH1 mutation carriers, which had this type of mutation, which is very late in the gene, you do find a robust decrease in the number of patients affected by a gastric cancer and in the number of patients who um, get the gastric cancer at a young age. But you cannot risk that your cousin is this one outlier. And because the results can be so dire, this can literally be a life or death situation. Most doctors err on the side of caution. That's the reason why the current recommendations currently is still for greater than 30 years of age for these patients um, uh, to undergo stomach removal. Uh, they, you definitely also do not want to roll, roll the dice here. Um, hereditary diffuse gastric cancer, which is spread to lymph nodes or beyond the stomach, is an incurable condition. Uh, uh, there is no effective treatment in the form of chemo, immuno, or targeted therapy available for that. So, what's life like without a stomach? The operation itself is simple. Doctors cut out your stomach, then attach your esophagus directly to your small intestine, and they sew you back up. It's like a really radical version of weight loss surgery. Adjusting to the change isn't as easy. Here's Hannah again. Remember, she had her stomach removed at the age of 24. Um, it 
it's crazy. It'll be two years in May. At first, it's so hard. You're kind of like learning how to eat again. You're eating the size of a golf ball, and it's extremely confusing and kind of messes with your head. But I've I've definitely reached a new normal, and I enjoy pretty much everything that I used to enjoy. The thing that surprised me most? You don't actually need your stomach. It's a bit of a holdover from an earlier evolutionary time, a pouch that allowed you to store extra food. Here's Dr. Strong from Sloan Kettering. So the the stomach is really, it serves as a nice reservoir for you to eat bigger portions of, of food. The absorption of new, all, all the nutrients that you that you need, it happens in your small intestine, not in your stomach. There's also the weight issue. People lose about 20% of their body weight in the first six months. Then they stabilize and even gain it back. Dr. Strong sees it quite a lot. I, I've had many patients come back to me about six months later and they say, are you sure you took my stomach out? Because <laughs> I feel like I can eat normally. Not everyone is like that. There are some patients who struggle, but there are a good number of patients who really go back to eating so comfortably that they say it really doesn't affect their everyday life. I even have a few patients who two, three years after total gastrectomy have ended up joining Weight Watchers <laughs> because they wanted to lose some weight. In the past 18 months, I've talked to dozens of doctors and researchers. I've read scores of papers. I've talked to Mike and Diane and Hannah and a handful of other patients. This is what I've learned. It's all really early. There are only about 200 families with CDH1 mutations who've been studied by researchers. While geneticists and oncologists and surgeons are trying to predict the future, there's just not enough information. In the end, it's a gamble, one that each patient has to make on their own. So the plan at this point is just really to kind of keep doing what I'm doing, going up to New York every six months, uh, you know, letting them look and give me a course of action if needs to be. Mike has had six endoscopies in the past 18 months, and now he's going twice a year to Sloan Kettering in New York to keep them up. He also has a personal doctor and an oncologist in Florida. But, you know, there's got to be some percentage for me of you know, chance of, of, of getting it. And it's just what can you live with? You know, and, and, so but, what can you live with? Well, yeah. Right now, I guess I can live with whatever it is because I'm, you know, this is what I'm what I'm going to do, you know, again. And in my mind, whether it's five or 10 years from now, if, if nothing's changed, I probably will go forward with surgery. You know, at this point, I'm just going to stick with what I'm doing. If he had the surgery, he wouldn't have any risk. But he also wouldn't have any information to share with his family. So does it weigh on you emotionally to have this diagnosis? It does weigh on me. Not as much as, as it did initially, because I think I'm doing a lot of the right things by seeing all these different doctors. Probably the biggest reason uh, to not do it is more so for my kids. The longer I go without having this cancer is tells them more what, you know, heaven forbid they have this gene in the future, what they may need to do. So, you know, I'd like to go as long as I can without, without doing any drastic steps to see if that this gene does affect us. Let me tell you, from me and everyone in my family, we're praying that this cancer doesn't become part of the medical history for Diane and Mike and his kids. 
That's it for this week's prognosis. Thanks for listening. Do you have a story about healthcare in the U.S. or around the world? We want to hear from you. Find me on Twitter at Faye Cortez or email mcortez at bloomberg.net. If you were a fan of this episode, please take a minute to rate and review us. It really helps new listeners find the show. And don't forget to subscribe. This episode was produced by Lindsay Cradwell. Our story editors were Drew Armstrong and Rick Shine. Francesca Levy is head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll be back in two weeks on May 23rd with a new episode. See you then. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.